0: Well, amen. That's great. Don't you love that song? Yeah, it's one of the most uh, popular, one of the most famous Christian songs is uh, Come Thou Fount of uh, Every Blessing. And uh, it's written by Robert Robinson. He wrote it, actually wrote the first two verses to it when he was a young man, young Christian, kind of in a legalistic uh, uh, background and... uh, uh, it became very popular, very popular in England and began to be sung quite often in the churches there. But uh, he, like so many people who depend on legalism to keep them on the straight and narrow, uh, got off the straight and narrow. He kind of got off into sin and kind of messed his life up for several years. And uh, one night, he was riding in a coach and uh, the driver was singing this song and uh it was the song he had written and he said to the coach driver you know uh i'm the author of that song i wrote that song he said "Oh, you know he said find that hard to believe says you don't (laughs) you don't look you don't look like a christian songwriter you know because he was and uh he said that god used that experience to uh Help him realize that he had really missed the essence of the gospel. And you might notice that in the third verse, which he went home and wrote not long after that, he says, Let thy goodness like a fetter. Do you know what a fetter is, Alexis? Do you know what a fetter is? Most people don't know what a fetter is. I have a lot of adults say, What's a fetter? Anybody know what a fetter is? It's a chain, yeah. So uh, he says, uh, and he said later in his testimony, he said, before I had this renewed understanding of the grace of God, I was trying to hold on to God by obeying him and doing my best to serve him. And he said, I wore out. And and next thing I knew, I was uh, out of God's will. But he said, when I understood that it is the goodness of God that brings us to repentance, and it's the goodness of God that holds us, and it's his grace and his love that keeps us rather than our keeping ourself, he said that it gave him great freedom. And by the way, he went on to become an outstanding Christian leader in England, Robert Robinson. So uh, I just think... Uh, Every time I sing the song, I think of those first two verses, which are so true, but how that people who are trying to serve God could sing those songs and uh and and mean them, but they're not really resting in the goodness and the grace of God and it's one thing to be trying to do God's will, it's another thing to be so engulfed in God's goodness and grace that you love to do God's will, and it's not so much an effort as it is a joy. So that's all extra this morning. I wasn't planning on saying any of that, but I didn't know we were going to sing that song this morning, but that's a good song, and I love it. Uh, Last week, I started a message, and I was talking about, we're talking about uh, uh, how that We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And that uh, we can't do anything to save ourselves. Salvation is of the Lord, the Bible says. And so we're saved by God's grace, God's goodness, and we receive that by faith. And I started out last week saying that if somebody came to me and said, how do I become a Christian I wouldn't tell them you need to start doing this and doing that and stop doing this. I'd say you need to receive God's gracious gift that Jesus purchased for you on the cross when he died for you and rose again. And so that's the gospel, that we're saved by grace. And so that way, no matter who you are, no matter how bad you've been or no matter how good you think you've been, Everybody is saved the same way. They come to Jesus and they receive him and the gift of eternal life. That's salvation. But after we're saved, the proper order is now that we're saved by grace, we're to also grow in grace. We're to grow up into Christ. We're to be being conformed or shaped and fashion in his image so that when I first became a Christian, I was 17 years old when I became a Christian, just to receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. But I was a baby Christian. I, I had so much that I didn't know. By the way, we're all still in that place. There's still a lot I don't know, but uh, but I needed to grow, and so in 1 Peter I mean, Second Peter chapter one. We're looking at this passage of scripture that says that we have received these great and precious promises, and we've been made partakers of the divine nature by faith. In other words, we've received it all by faith. But then he says in Second Peter chapter one verse six, uh, verse five, that we're to add to our faith. Virtue, and we said virtue is a a, a, a passion for excellence. It even has to do with moral excellence. The idea is that as a Christian, I should immediately start laying aside everything that God shows me that is kind of dirty and that that I shouldn't be having in my life. And I told you that for me... It was my language. Before I was saved, I had a really filthy mouth. And immediately when God saved me, he just absolutely took that away from me. And now I wanted my words not to be dirty words, but to be kind words, to be honoring words, Christ-exalting words. And so he says, add to your faith virtue And then to your virtue, add knowledge. And we talked about that a couple of sermons ago, that that has to do with understanding who Christ is, knowing Him personally, not just knowing about Him, and also knowing the Word of God. But then he said, and add to your knowledge self-control, self-control. And so my sermon last week was the first half of this sermon, And if you weren't here last Sunday, uh, I'd really recommend that you go to our website and listen to last Sunday's sermon. Listen to the podcast on last Sunday's sermon. Because we said that one of the great enemies of our soul, one of the things that tries to keep us from growing in grace is our own self. There is a selfish person in us there is this self determination this self will this i want to do things my way that actually fights against our growing in grace and that's the reason that jesus said when he was talking to people he said if anyone will be will be my disciple then let him and the very first thing he said, let him deny himself. We have to learn how to say no to self because we said that self is an ever-present enemy. It's constantly there. And all through my day, I am having to deal with, do I, am I going to do what self wants to do or am I going to do what Jesus wants to do? And the Apostle Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20. He said, I, that's the, the self, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, I, I'm alive. I, I still move about. I am alive. But it's no longer I who live. It's not the self but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I'm now living in the flesh, in this physical body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, here's the thing about it. All of us battle with ourself. We all talk to ourselves. We need to talk to ourselves, But the problem is ourself talks to us and ourself is is constantly giving us instructions of how we ought to be treated, how, how things ought to go for us, how I want my way and my will. And so I was. It got to this point in the message last week, what are some expressions of that self that we need to bring under control? And, of course, a couple of them are just obvious. One is the temptations. We call temptations of the flesh. We all, there are people who have a temptation to watch the wrong things, to look at wrong things or to listen to wrong things. There are people who have a temptation to, to eat too much or to drink too much or to, uh, or, or to, uh, uh, to indulge their fleshly appetites. That's all an expression of self. And usually when we think about self-control, that's kind of what pops in our mind, isn't it? Well, I need to have more self-control. I need to watch what I'm doing. I need to restrain myself, my appetites. But that's not the only way that self is a problem. Of course, just in simple obedience, you know, just when God tells us to do something, their self doesn't want to do it usually. I mean, we, we always kind of have some resistance. It's just like with our kids. When our kids are, are watching something on television, we say, okay, now you need to turn that off and get ready for bed. What do they usually do? They say, oh, sure, okay, thanks. And they hop right up turn it off and just go jump right in the bed, right? Yeah. No, probably not. <clears throat> or, Well, you know, son, you need to take the trash out. And I can just remember my son so many times saying, oh, Dad. And I think, now, what's the problem with that? I mean, you just pick it up and take it out and drop it in the trash can. But that's just not what he wanted to do at that time. And, you know, here's the problem. Almost any time that somebody tells us to do something, it's not what we wanted to do. Because if it was, we would have already been doing it before they told us to do it, you see. But we're usually doing something we want to do and then somebody tells us to do this and we think, oh man, you know. Well, that's self. That's self. And and self-control, the idea of having self under control And Christ in control and a heart of serving others would help us so much to be able to say, sure, I'll be glad to. Thanks for asking, you see. Okay, but then another expression of self is in our response to other people our response when things don't go the way we really want them to go. Uh, one, One expression of self is that we feel kind of entitled. I know we hear a lot of talk today about, well, all these people, they feel entitled. They feel entitled. Well, the truth is we all feel entitled. You just let somebody tell you to do something that you think is just a little bit below the dignity that you should have and you'll feel that entitled self rise up against it. Now the fact is people are going to sometimes treat us in ways that we don't like. They're going to say things to us. They're going to pull out in front of us in traffic they're going to not bring us our drink when we're at the at the restaurant we go to cracker barrel and we order and our our waitress suddenly becomes the invisible waitress and we can't we where did she go you know we're out of tea we're you know we've already eaten all our cornbread and where where is she and we have a tendency to want to say doesn't she know who we are, you know? Now, we wouldn't come right out and say that, of course, because uh, that'd sound rude. But uh, but it's, it's those kinds of things. I, I mean, just all, all through our day, things are happening that give us an occasion to express our own Selfishness, and that's when we need self-control. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with looking for your waitress. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, uh, you know, raise your flag at Ponchos or whatever. You know, uh, that's all. all Do y'all even know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Okay. Well, some of you do, anyway. And uh, I just keep mine up all the time anyway. (laughs) And when they pull it down, I just pull it back up because I know I'm going to want something else. But uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with making requests. There's nothing wrong with asking for uh, things that you need or the things that you want. But what is wrong is that when you don't get your way, you get mad And you get kind of snooty and you get hateful and insulting and want to get revenge and those kinds of things. And that is just, as a matter of fact, we can always justify it, can't we? Because we think, you know, well, self deserves this. Somebody said uh, nobody really knows if they... Have a servant' spirit until somebody treats them like a servant, and think about that for a minute. You know if somebody doesn't appreciate you, you do something for somebody and they they don't appreciate it, then you want that that's that's the way we find out what's in here. You might know, We had a saying back in where I grew up uh, where we went and drew our water out of the well let that water bucket let the rope down and let that bucket down and you'd hear it hit the water and then you let it down just a little bit further and Then all of a sudden you'd hear it go glub 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 and you knew it was full then you pull that up and we had a saying that said what's down in the well comes up in the bucket and sometimes after a big rain or something like that <coughs> there'd be tadpoles or there'd be uh other things Uh, in the well and whatever was in the well that's what came up in the bucket and you know that's the way it is with our life whatever is in the well is what comes out when we get jostled a little bit when we get stirred when we get shaken and uh, so that's a good test for us it, we never really know what's in our heart when everybody is treating us just perfect. When people are being nice and kind and sweet and helpful, we never know what's in our heart because anybody can be nice when, they're being, when somebody's being nice to them. It's when we get squeezed that we find out what's inside. And when we get pressure put on us and some ugly stuff spouts out, then we say, I need to add to my knowledge self-control. I need to deal with the ugliness that is in myself. And by the way, it's in all of us. It's in all of us. So I, you know, I wouldn't want you sitting there thinking, well, I guess he never gets squeezed and ugly stuff comes out. Now, I wish it didn't. But I'll tell you this, when it does, then that gives me an opportunity to say, Jesus, you were not really in control during that situation. I was in control. And self was out of your control. It was self, it was not self-control, it it was self-in-control that was the problem. So here here are some verses that just kind of let us know how we're to behave whenever we get jostled, whenever we get uh, insulted, whenever we get uh, uh, hurt. Listen to this in Ephesians 4, 29 through 32, one of my favorite passages in the Bible that I need a lot. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but let that which is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearer. So he says, "Don't don't let insulting stuff, corrupting stuff, come out of your mouth, but let stuff that is going to help somebody else come out of your mouth. And then uh, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So you're saved. That's wonderful. But he says, "Don't, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, but let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Now you can say, Well, that, that's that's a wonderful goal. That's a I love those verses. But look, it's not for us to just love those verses. It's for us to live those verses. That's self-control. When self is in control, then the bitterness and the wrath and the clamor and the evil speaking, all that kind of stuff comes out. When self is under control and Christ is in control, these things come out because when Jesus got squeezed, what came out? Tenderness, love, forgiveness, mercy. And that's what will come out of us when we are filled with him, filled with the Spirit. Well, there are a lot of other examples of self, selfishness, of course, uh, laziness, and hurt feelings, and discouragement, and depression, because here's what it is. Self constantly says, I want, I serve me, do for me, give to me. It's like the prodigal son. When he came to his father, he said, Father, give me that which is mine. That's the expression of self. By the way, when he came back home, you remember what he said? He said, Father, make me as one of your hired servants. And I tell you, when self is in control, that is, self is ruling, it's give me. I want. Treat me this way. But when self is under control, then here are the questions we ask. What do you need? How can I serve you? What can I give, not what can I get? And I know there are people who say to me, "Yeah, but that's all—that's all, that's all uh, uh, hypothetical kind of talk." That's—that's that's the ideal. No, that's the real. When Jesus really is in control and self is under control, this is the way we live. We ask the right questions. Can you imagine in marriage, if you have two people who are married to one another and both of them are living selfish lives, you have constant conflict. Well, maybe not constant because occasionally they're going to both want the same thing. But but you're going to have regular conflict. But what about when both of them are asking the question, what do you need? How can I serve you? What can I give to help you? I'm telling you, you have the potential of having almost an expression of heaven on earth when a husband and wife are living like that. And it is, uh, you know, I I counsel with couples a lot, and the wife says, "Well, well, if my husband would just do this and this and this, you know, and the husband says, well, if my wife would just do this and this and this, I said, "But well, the thing about it, you're not responsible for her, and to her, you're not responsible for him. But you are responsible for you, and so if you will just do what God instructs, and bring your selfishness under control, and begin to ask the question, what what do you need? What does my husband need?" And I can tell you what most husbands need. They need to feel honored and respected and appreciated by their wife. They need admiration, appreciation, and respect. That's the greatest need of a man. And then if the husband is saying, well, what does my wife need? And again, I can tell you what I've read. I've never been a wife, but I can tell you what... Uh, uh, my wife tells me, and what other women have said, that most women need to feel treasured, protected, loved, and deep affection for them. And that they are at the top of the husband's priority list. And, and I have couples who say, well, 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 when he starts treating me that way, then I'll start respecting him. And the husband says, well, when she starts respecting me, I'll start treating her with affection. And I want to just slap them both. In Christian love, of course. (laughs) And just say, look, stop waiting for somebody else to do the right thing. You do it. And husbands love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And wives, honor and reverence your husband the way the church honors and reverences Christ. And it does not say if he does right or if she does. It just says you do it. You do it. And self Self will always put the brakes on. Self will always say, well, no, I'm waiting until. But self-control says, I am going to operate in truth and in love regardless of what the other person does. And I just think, how long did Jesus love you before he won your heart? We got anybody in here that was saved after they were forty years old? Anybody saved? Okay. Man, he put up with you a long time, didn't he, Tommy? Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's that's right. And but, aren't you glad he didn't quit? He didn't give up. And I just, I just. Run into people all the time and say, well, I tried, I I was nice, and it didn't work. So, well, if you were sweet and kind, it did work. Because what was supposed to be working was you being sweet and kind. It's not a trick. It's not a manipulation. It's an obedient thing where self is under control and Christ is in control. So, uh, all right, well, let me just finish this up. I want to just say the selfishness, the damage that it does. First of all, it robs us of our joy. Did you know that selfish people, I, I believe this is an accurate statement, <coughs> selfish people cannot experience genuine joy. I know there's some probably trying to think of some rebuttal to that. And there may be some, I don't know. But uh, but as a general rule, selfishness robs us of joy because Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, we can receive and experience Happiness, we can receive and even express appreciation. But real joy comes from giving, not from getting. And you just think about it for yourself. This may not be a good illustration, but I'm going to say, if you're a parent... What do you get the greatest joy out of getting a present from one of your children or giving a present or a gift or something they really need to one of your children? And before you answer that, <laughs> let me just say, the answer ought to be <laughs> I get greater joy out of giving Than I do out of getting. Now selfishness. Gets a greater excitement. Out of getting. Than out of giving. But. Real joy. The greater joy. That's what Jesus said. That there's a greater joy. There's a greater blessing. It's more blessed to give and to receive. It's in Acts 2035. And then it damages other people. Selfishness hurts other people. And it destroys relationships. So that's the danger of selfishness. So how does how do we develop self control? How do we overcome selfishness? And the first thing is by knowing Who we are in Christ, knowing that we are, in fact, love. The goodness of God will bind our hearts like a fetter. It's the love of God. And even this idea of forgiving other people, Paul says there in Ephesians, and forgive even as God forgave you. So knowing who I am in Christ, saturating myself with the fact that God loves me, God treasures me. The Bible says that when Jesus comes back, he will come to gather his jewels. You know who that is? That's us. God sees us as his diamond collection. It's amazing, isn't it? Some of us don't feel very much like a diamond, and some of us may not even look much like a diamond to others, but when Jesus sees us, he says, no, that's one of my jewels I purchased with my own blood. So knowing who we are in Christ and then focusing on Jesus, loving him, keeping our focus on him. Setting our eyes on Him. And then being filled with the Spirit. We've read that verse. And then practicing it in little ways. Being constantly and consciously aware of self. And realize that if we can, if we can bring self under control in the little daily Uh, experiences it'll be much easier to bring self under control in the bigger experiences that make sense see what I'm talking about so practicing self-control in the in the general run of the day and then the last thing is talking to ourself I love the Psalms. Many of the Psalms, David is talking to himself. He'll say, why are you cast down, O my soul? You think, who's he talking to? He's talking to himself. And you read through the Psalms and you'll find that many times, David is like taking himself by the lapel and saying, now, quit it. You stop thinking like that. And I have to do that to myself sometimes. I have to say now, stop it! Now you just stop being selfish. Cut it out. And uh, by the way, that's that's a good counseling technique. Did you know that? Somebody comes in and says, "Well, I'm just uh, doing this bad thing," and I you say, "Well, quit it. Stop doing that." Well, I said well okay <laughs> and sometimes I just have to say to myself if I begin to get a little pouty or something like that or if I begin to get my feelings hurt or if I'm to feel kind of like somebody's not treating me like I feel like I ought to I have to kind of look at myself and say now cut that out just stop it and bring self under control Under the control of the cross. And the way we do that is through the cross. I am crucified with Christ. And when I take self to the cross, then self is under control. All right, well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you have given to each of us a means whereby and an example whereby we can see what it's like to live the unselfish life. And I pray that you will help us to appropriate the cross so that we can say, as the Apostle Paul, self, I am crucified with Christ. I'm living, but it's not, it's not self that's alive. It's Jesus now that's living. He is in control. And I pray that you will help us to bring self to the cross, Christ to the throne. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website www.bearcreekbaptist.com. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.